الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So in the next Possibly three sessions we're going to do some of the chapter of fasting from Bulugh al-Maram. We'll try and do some of the sections on fasting and then some of the sections on Qiyamul layl if possible also. We've done this before. Some of you will have done this before. So it is expected, of course, that some of you who've done this before should have some recollection of the narrations and the evidences and the opinions of the scholars and the rulings. So if we begin firstly then with the hadith of Ammar ibn Yasir radiyallahu anhu qal Man sama al-yawm al-ladhi yushakku fihi faqad asa abal qasim. The one who fasts on the day of doubt has disobeyed abal qasim, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the hadith is very clear in its wording. The one who fasts on the day of doubt has disobeyed the Prophet The question is, what is the day of doubt? So who will explain to us what the day of doubt is? The day before Ramadan starts. What's that? When's that? So if you've not seen the moon on the 29th, then the 30th is the day of doubt. No, yeah, because then you don't know if Ramadan is coming. If you see it, if you don't see the the moon, you should you should. So here now, this year, we did 30 days of Shaaban. So fasting started on Thursday. Wednesday was the 30th of Shaaban. Was Wednesday the day of doubt then? Yeah. If you don't see the moon, then you should you should take it as the 30th of Shaaban and not the first of Ramadan. Anybody else? Any other offers? For, for people who uh, don't want to make want to make sure that they don't miss uh, Ramadan, so they they do it on the day of doubt just to be on the safe side. The day of doubt, all right, look at the scenarios. <coughs> Let's just go off what happened this year now. We began on Thursday. <coughs> so the 29th of Sha'aban was Tuesday. Wednesday was the 30th. It was a complete month. And then Thursday was the first of Ramadan. So on Tuesday, Tuesday gone by, the people across the world went out that night after Maghrib looking for the new moon. If they had seen it, 
Then the next day, Wednesday gone by, would have been the first day of Ramadan. Simple, straightforward. If they did not see it, they went out, clear skies, they're looking everywhere, no sight of the moon anywhere. The next day is therefore 30th of Sha'ban, and the day after that is the first of Ramadan. So what's the day of doubt all of a sudden then? If you can't see it, because it's cloudy or for a reason. So now if on Tuesday they go out, and on Tuesday it happens to be a very stormy day, Clouds, fog, mist, all types of things covering your ability to see anything. So they go out and they look. All they can see is the cloud and the fog and the mist. It's impossible to tell if the moon is there or not. So if it's impossible to tell if the moon is there or not because of all of the cloud and the fog and the mist, now the next day is suddenly known as the day of doubt. Because the previous night, you don't know if the moon was there or not. If the previous night was absolutely clear, everywhere they go out, no sighting for sure. The next day isn't the day of doubt, the next day is 30th of Sha'aban. They went out and they didn't see anything. Clear skies, clear skies, searched everywhere, no sight of the moon, no sign of the moon. For definite, the next day now is 30th of Sha'aban in that case. That's not really the day of doubt. But if they go out on the 29th and it's covered and cloudy and foggy and misty and they can't tell it's impossible to see if the moon is there or not. Now the next day is the day of doubt. Because maybe behind all of that cloud cover, the moon was there. Then again, maybe it wasn't. You don't know. So now it's the day of doubt the next day. What do you do on the day of doubt? Here the hadith tells you the one who fasts on that day has opposed, has gone against, has disobeyed the Prophet Indicating that if you go out on the 29th and it's cloudy, foggy, misty and you can't tell, then you should assume the next day to be 30th of Sha'ban, not the 1st of Ramadan. Don't say, but what if the moon was there behind all of that fog and cloud? We should just fast in case. That is not the opinion of the majority of the scholars. Yes, some scholars, they mention that. But the majority of the scholars and the generally accepted opinion is that you do not fast on that day. And that is because of some other narrations that back up that position. One of those being the hadith of Abdullah ibn Umar. Radiyallahu anhuma qal, Sami'atu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam وَإِذَا رَأَيْتُمُوهُ فَأَفْطِرُوا فَإِنْ غُمَّ عَلَيْكُمْ فَقْدُرُوا لَهُ When you see it, fast. Meaning Ramadan begins. And when you see it, fast ends. Meaning Eid. And if it's covered up, then estimate it. That's what the narration says. 
when you see the new moon begin the ramadan when you see the new moon again that means now it's eid but if it's covered up then estimate so now what does estimate mean it's clarified in the other narrations فَإِنْ أُغْمِيَ عَلَيْكُمْ فَقْدُرُوا لَهُ ثَلَاثِينَ If it's covered up, then estimate it as 30. Estimate what as 30? The days of Sha'bad. But how are you going to convince someone? There's other narrations too. فَأَكْمِلُوا الْعِدَّةَ ثَلَاثِينَ Complete the days as 30. And then the one that mentions Sha'ban by name... فَأَكْمِلُوا عِدَّةَ شَعْبَانَ ثَلَاثِينَ Complete the days of Sha'ban as 30. So that makes it clear cut to you now. When you see the new moon, start fasting. When you see the moon again at the end of the month, end fasting. Eat. If you don't see it because of cloud cover, etc., in that case, estimate. How do you estimate? The narration says estimate it as 30. Complete 30. Estimate it as or complete it as 30 days of Sha'ban. So all of that indicates to you in that scenario we spoke about, that next day you would consider it as 30th day of Sha'ban. Not the first day of Ramadan. Not with the type of logical explanation, but what if it was there? We should just start in case... Rather, the majority, they say, upon these clear proofs, if you've seen it, then start. If you haven't, complete Sha'ban as 30 days. So that is regarding how Ramadan begins. How many methods are there, therefore, for establishing the beginning of Ramadan? Three, what are they? See the moon. To see the moon. Clearly, you don't see the moon. If the, the sky is clear, you don't see the moon. So you don't see the moon. And then the sky is cloudy. So if you don't know if you've seen the moon or not. In that case, it's up to 30. You do the 30th of Shabbat. So in essence, it's again that you haven't seen the moon. So the scholars say there's two methods, basically. One is obvious. If you see the new moon, that's it. Fasting begins. The second is, if you don't see the new moon, regardless of whether it's a clear day and you don't see it, or it's a foggy day and therefore you cannot see it, the ruling on that scenario is finish 30 days of Sha'ban and that is the only two methods. The only two methods of establishing the beginning of Ramadan لا ثالث لهما as they say. There is no third option whatsoever. People may say but there is a third option. There is the option of the calculations. The options of the the science and the Met Office and they tell you when the moon's going to come out and when it's not. And you Google it and they show you the pictures of the dark and the light and the picture of the moon and everything. Why can't you use that, they say? That is not an Islamic method of establishing the beginning of any month, let alone Ramadan. It is not an Islamic method of establishing the beginning of Ramadan. Those calculations do not take into consideration weather conditions. That's an important point too. Calculations do not take into consideration weather conditions. The ahadith and the sunnah 
has taken into consideration weather conditions. The Sunnah tells you if the weather conditions are such that you can't see it, then complete Sha'banas 30 days. Calculations do not take into consideration weather conditions. So, for example, what that means is on the calculations, on their science, and their reports, and their weather, whatever else, they may say to you that tonight the moon will be out. It will be there. Everything worked out, our satellites are in position, the moon will be there. Next thing you know, not a single Muslim country makes an announcement. So, then what's happened? Maybe the moon was there, but they haven't taken into consideration weather conditions and whether it's actually going to be visible or not. It may be there, but the establishment of the month isn't just on the fact that it's there. It's upon the fact of seeing it. So even if they tell you 100% it's out tonight, but that night is the foggiest, cloudiest night you've had all year, it's impossible to see it. In that case, what do you do? Regardless of what they're telling you, it was there 100%. You can't fast. You have not seen it. And the sunnah has taken into consideration weather conditions. If it's foggy, if it's misty, etc. So calculations are not a method. But rather seeing the moon is. And using equipment is permissible. Using a telescope, using other magnifying equipment is permissible. That isn't something completely uh, or something of an innovation. It is allowed to use items to look for the moon. But that is the entry of the month of Ramadan. The second topic is intention for fasting. Here we have two narrations. The first is the narration of Hafsa. Umm al-Mu'minin radiyallahu anha anin nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal مَنْ لَمْ يُبَيِّتِ الصَّيَامَ قَبْلَ الْفَجْرِ فَلَا صَيَامَ لَهُ Whomsoever doesn't make their intention before Fajr time, then there is no fast for them. In another narration, لَا صَيَامَ لِمَنْ لَمْ يُفْرِضْهُ مِنَ اللَّيْتِ No fasting for the one who hasn't made his intention from the night, from before the time of Fajr entering. That hadith highlights to you very clearly that the intention for your fasting must be made before Fajr time starts. On your calendars, the close time. Your intention must have been done before that. But then you have the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. She says, دَخَلَ عَلَيَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ سَلَّمْ دَاتَ يَوْمْ فَقَالْ هَلْ عِنْدَكُمْ شَيْءٍ قُلْنَا لَا قَالْ إِنِّي إِذًا صَائِمْ that one day the Prophet ﷺ came home during the day at some point and he said, do you have any food? Is there any food at home? They said to him, Aisha says that we said there is actually no food at home at all. There is no food. So the Prophet ﷺ said, in that case, I'm fasting. He hadn't eaten or drunk anything all day anyway so far. So we said, in that case, I'll make the intention right now and carry on till Maghrib and call it a fast. This hadith indicates making your intention in the middle of the day is permissible. So how do you combine between the two simple combination? The difference between obligatory fasts and optional fasts. 
obligatory fasts like Ramadan, the intention must be made prior to Fajr time entering. Superrogatory fasts, optional fasts, you can do it in the middle of the day. One day, you haven't eaten, you haven't drunk, you haven't done anything that would typically break your fast since before Fajr. It's got to Asr time. It's got to Dhuhr time. And you decide, you know what? I might as well make the intention for today and carry on till Maghrib and do an optional fast. Permissible. You can do that. But obligatory fasts, you must make the intention prior to Fajr. Even if you're making up an obligatory fast, it's an obligatory fast. So imagine you were making up a day from Ramadan, some point in the year. Middle of the day, you haven't eaten, you haven't drunk, you think to yourself, in that case, let me just make the intention, there's a few hours to go, and I'll call it the day I had left to make over from Ramadan. Permissible or not? Impermissible, it wouldn't count like that, because that is considered an obligatory fast. An obligatory fast, you must have the intention from before Fajr. That is the simple ruling in a nutshell regarding the intentions. Topic number three, regarding the suhoor and the iftar. With regards to the iftar, you have the narration of Sahal ibn Sa'id, radiyallahu anhuma, anna rasulallahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallama qal, la yazalu nasu bi khair ma ajjalu al-fiqh. The people will remain upon goodness as long as they hasten to open their fast. Meaning, when the time of Maghrib comes, they do not delay. They open their fast at the time. The people will remain upon goodness as long as they hasten to open their fast. Meaning, as soon as it's Maghrib time, the time enters, they don't delay, they open their fast. Why is this mentioned as a narration in the Sunnah? Why would the Prophet ﷺ mention a point like that? Were there people at his time who used to delay opening the fast? Such that it required for this to be made into a point? Why did the Prophet ﷺ mention this point? Were there people at that time who used to delay opening the fast on purpose, such that it required for this point to be made, that goodness is in you as long as you open it on time? From the Muslims. Is there an issue in the Muslims? No. Did they used to delay at the time? So then why make the point to them when they never used to do it in the first place? Scholars, they say, this is one of the narrations that indicates the miracles of the Prophet It never used to happen at the time, but it was something that was known to occur in the future, will occur in the future. And it occurs. Now you have the mosques everywhere. They delay Maghrib and Ramadan by a few minutes, by 5, 10, 15 minutes. Why? They say we need to make sure. Look, look how light it is. Give it another 5 minutes. Don't do Adhan yet. Give it another 5-10 minutes. In Ramadan, Maghrib goes back by 5-10 minutes. Just to make sure. That is something which happens in the practice of the Muslims now, and it is a practice that is impermissible. A practice that is not from the Sunnah. And it is a practice that was known would occur. Miracles from the miracles of the Prophet 
So he mentioned, goodness will remain in you as long as you open your fasts on time. Hasten to open the fast. Not delayed by 10 minutes, 15 minutes with the evidence that, look, it's still light outside. At Maghrib time, it is supposed to be light outside. Maghrib time isn't pitch black. Do not think that Maghrib is sunset. Therefore, you should be opening your fast in darkness. That is incorrect. The narrations they mention when the Sahaba used to pray Maghrib, after they prayed Maghrib with the Prophet ﷺ, they used to go outside. They said, after the Maghrib prayer, finished, gone outside. If we fired our arrow, the arrow would go flying out a long way from the boat, flying out all the way, we would see where it lands. How could they fire their arrow after the Maghrib prayer they finished and done and gone outside? Fire their arrow and they can still see where it lands. Indicates to you that it's still light because Maghrib is at sunset. As soon as the sun goes down, it doesn't become pitch black. It gradually becomes dark until it becomes pitch black when it's the Isha time. So at Maghrib, it's going to be light. You don't have this argument, wait, let it get dark, let it get night, then we'll open the fast. It is upon the sunset, upon the Maghrib time. So the goodness will remain as long as the people open their fast on time. Then you also have this narration that is spoken about, but it's mentioned by Al-Hafid ibn Hajar here. The hadith Qudsi that Allah says, The most beloved of my servants to me, are the ones who are the quickest in opening their fast. Meaning, the ones who open it on time, they don't delay. So both of these narrations indicating to you that the sunnah is to open your fast on time. Don't delay, I need to be sure, I need to do this, to do that. Once the maghrib time comes in, you open your fast. What if you go to a mosque then, and they're doing the adhan late on purpose? Or by accident or something, for some reason the adhan is being done late. What do you do then? Are you allowed to open your fast on time because you know what the time is of sunset? Or do you have to wait for the adhan? You're allowed to open your fast. The opening of the fast isn't linked to the adhan of Maghrib. The opening of the fast is linked to Maghrib. So when Maghrib has happened, then you open your fast. Regardless of whether the person has done the adhan on time and the opposite too. If the muaddin makes a mistake, starts doing the adhan early and you know he's doing it early, then you can't open the fast. So you got to open the fast at the time of maghrib. Then how do you open your fast? What is the sunnah when opening the fast? Hadith of Salman ibn Amr al-Rabbi radiyallahu anhu qal, إِذَا أَفْطَرَ أَحَدُكُمْ فَلْيُفْطِرْ عَلَى فَإِن لَمْ يَجِدْ فَإِنَّهُ طَفُورٌ When one of you opens your fast, then open it with dates. And if you don't find any dates, then with water because it is purifying. Hadith indicates to you that the sunnah is to open your fast with dates. Does it have to be three or five or seven or an odd number? That is not an obligation. It is not an obligation to have to have an odd number of dates. But you open your fast with dates. There is another narration that mentions the best types of dates are the rutab for opening the fast with. 
basically the, the, the juicy, moist kind of dates. Those juicier kind of dates, the moist type of dates. If you can have those to open your fast with, better. Alhamdulillah. If you don't have those, then normal dry dates. And if you don't even have those, then water. That is the order of opening your fast uh, with those foods. And as Sheikh Al-Fawzan mentions, there is wisdom in that. And perhaps the wisdom in that is because dates have certain uh, properties that other foods do not in terms of their sugar and their energy. And that is something good for the stomach after hours of fasting to begin with something small like that but filled with energy and sweetness. That is something good for the fasting person. And similarly, water, of course, is something good for the stomach to begin with on an empty stomach. So dates and water is what you open your fast with. It is, of course, permissible to open your fast with other foods. But this is the sunnah and what you should do. This is the sunnah, opening with the dates, the moist dates, or the dried dates after that, or the water after that. But if you wanted, you could open your fast with other foods. It is permissible if a person wanted to open their fast with a burger, with a pizza slice. That's the people they do. You're laughing, but that's what the people they do. So if a person did that, it's permissible. But the sunnah is here, with the dates and the water. On top of the fact that you shouldn't be sitting down for a meal anyway. At the time of opening the fast, you open your fast with some small, light foods, dates, water. If you're going to have some small fruits and some other small snacks, no problem, a few minutes, and then you pray. Then after that, you can sit and eat as you please. But the people, when you go to some mosques and they have the spread laid out, and you sit for 20 minutes, half an hour, eating all of that, then get up to pray... That is not suitable and that is not the way it should be done. Maghrib should be prayed on time. So open your fast, pray, and then sit and eat as you please. The uh, next narration here is about suhoor. An Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu anhu, qal, qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, tasahharu fa inna fi suhoori barakah. Tasahharu fa inna fi suhoori barakah. What does that mean then? Take your suhoor because within the suhoor there is barakah, blessing. Firstly, Sheikh Al-Fawzan gives an explanation regarding the way you pronounce the word. How do you pronounce that word? Suhoor. Dhamma, suhoor. Or sahoor. There is a difference between the two words. Sahoor. With a fatha is the actual food. That's the actual food you eat. That is the sahur food. Suhur, suhur is the the whole act of having that meal in the morning. Sahur is the actual food. Suhur is the masdar, the act of having that that food in the morning. So in this hadith it tells us have the suhoor for indeed there is barakah within it. There is barakah in having that suhoor. That's why a Shaykh al-Fawzani said even if you do not feel like eating anything at that time in the morning 
you should have something. Have a, have one date. One date and some water. Just some water. Anything. Have something small in the morning at that time so that you've implemented the sunnah of having the suhoor. Also because the Prophet said, فَصْلُ مَا بَيْنَ صَيَامِنَا وَصَيَامِ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ أَكْلَةُ The difference between our fasting and the fasting of the people of the book is having this suhoor, this food of suhoor in the morning. They don't do it. The Muslims do it. Opposing their method of fasting. On top of the fact that the Prophet tells you there's barakah within it. Barakah within it. So that brings about the energy for you and brings about some some energy to do your worship for the day and your ibadah aids you in that. So there are multiple reasons why a person should have that suhoor meal. What time should it be done? Iftar was supposed to be on time as soon as the time begins. Suhoor is supposed to be right at the end time before Fajr begins. So Fajr start time, the Suhoor meal is supposed to be taken as close as possible to that. It is not something you eat after Taraweeh at midnight, have your pizzas and everything else at midnight, and that's it, go to sleep. That isn't the meaning of Suhoor. Suhoor, the meaning of it is that meal that is, as they call it in English, the pre-dawn meal. Pre-dawn meal, that you have it. You have it at pre-dawn, just before the Fajr time begins. That is the method of the Sunnah in having that meal. Not after Taraweeh at midnight and having a big meal and going to sleep and saying that's my Suhoor. Rather a person has it later on close to the end time. That is regarding those two, uh, the Suhoor and the Iftar. The last topic we'll do for today is the hadith of Abu Huraira regarding Al-Wisal. نَهَى رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ عَنِ الْوِصَالِ فَقَالَ رَجُلٌ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ فَإِنَّكَ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ تُوَاصِلْ قَالَ وَأَيُّكُمْ مِثْلِي إِنِّي أَبِيتُ يُطْعِمُنِ اللَّهِ وَيَسْقِينِي فَلَمَّا أَبَوْا أَنْ يَنْتَهُوا وَاصَلَ بِهِمْ يَوْمًا ثُمَّ يَوْمًا ثُمَّ رَأَوْا الْهِلَالَ فَقَالَ لَوْ تَأَخَّرَ الْهِلَالَ لَزِدْتُكُمْ كَالْمُنَكِّرِ لَهُمْ حِينَ أَبَوْا أَنْ يَنْتَهُوا مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ This is the topic of continuation. Meaning, today now you're all fasting since the suhoor. Maghrib time, don't open your fast. No food, no water, carry on fasting. Carry on through. Carry on through all of the night, up to taraweeh, after taraweeh. Carry on, carry on, don't open your fast. Continuation in fasting. What's the ruling on continuing your fast and not opening it? Until opening it at a later stage, two days, three days, whatever it might be. What is the ruling on continuing your fast beyond that open time? Hadith says, pay attention to the narration, then give us your fatwa. The Prophet ﷺ forbade continuation. But then a man said, O Messenger of Allah, but you do it. He said, but who from amongst you is like me? Allah provides me the food and the drink, the sustenance, the iman, different explanations. But then they refused. They wanted to copy the Prophet and be like him. So when they insisted and insisted, in the end, he allowed them to do it and they all did it together. So they fasted a day, didn't open it, carried on all next day, didn't open it, carried on. 
but then the moon was sighted. He said to them, if it wasn't sighted, I would have carried on into the third day, the next day as well. To show them, like, you can't do that. You wouldn't have been able to do it. How would you have done it? So, that's what happened. What's the ruling there? Haram. Haram. Why? You have evidence that continuation is haram. So at the beginning of the hadith, because the Prophet ﷺ very clearly said, or very clearly prohibited them and told them, continuation not allowed. Prohibited to continue. And then when he did it with, when, when, the, when he let them pass with him at the end, he like reprimanded them. So the fact that when he did it with them, when the moon was sighted, he told them as a means of like reprimand that I would have gone on and on. Meaning, you wouldn't have been able to do it. So it was like a physical lesson to them, you can't do it. So all of that is indicating that it's haram impermissible to do. That's an opinion. And also that he said, meaning that's specific for him. It's not haram for him. Okay. It wasn't haram for him. But... Alright. That's an opinion. Anybody else? There's an imam who said, you can do it until before the next day. There's an Imam. Imam Ahmed. Imam Ahmed. Imam Ahmed said you can do it till uh, you go past now the time now, and then you shouldn't go beyond Fajr the next day. So you shouldn't go beyond the the suhoor of the next day. No. So that's basically how many hours? Twenty four hours. Suhoor to suhoor. But you can't miss that next suhoor and carry on. Suhoor to suhoor. You gotta open it. You gotta eat something. That suhoor is then gonna double up as your. Iftar for that 24 hour fast and Yisuhur for the next one. That's an opinion. And what's the evidence for that? Hadith didn't mention anything of that nature at all. There's a hadith. Or rather, perhaps you remember from last year, but you don't remember the narration. Hadith in Al Bukhari. La tuwasilu. فَأَيُّكُمْ أَرَادَ أَنْ يُوَاصِلْ فَلْيُوَاصِلْ إِلَى الصَّحَةِ Don't continue with your fast. But any of you who wants to, then you can up until the Saha, the Suhoor time. 24 hours. Hadith in Bukhari. So Imam Ahmed takes that position. Sheikh Fawzan takes that position. It's permissible up to there. The Jumhur of the scholars though, say it is haram. The Jumhur of the scholars do not allow that to occur. They say it's haram. And some of the evidences they use, we've just gone through one of the hadith. People will remain upon goodness as long as they hasten to open their fast. So what's happening to you when you are purposely doing the opposite of that? You're hastening not to open your fast, but to carry on with it. They say, how? Hadith tells you, goodness in hastening to open it. How can you delay it and carry on? So the majority say, no, don't continue, you open up Maghrib. But there is the narration in Bukhari, saying if you want to, you can go up to Suhoor. So Imam Ahmed takes that position, Sheikh Fawzan takes that position. So those are the two main opinions on that anyway. That was how many topics now then? How Ramadan enters, intention, Suhoor and Iftar, and continuation. Four topics so far in brief. Next time we'll start with the uh, next few topics. We'll try and do another four or five next time.
the topic of traveling when you're fasting, the topic of illness and what type of illness allows you to miss fasting, the topic of uh, copying when you're fasting, whether that's permissible or not, some of the issues, uh, marital issues when fasting, what is permissible between the husband and the wife. We'll try and cover as many of those as we can in the next session. And then uh, hopefully if we do, the final session can be moving on to some of the rulings regarding the taraweeh prayer. So we'll have to stop there. We'll have to stop approximately 25 minutes before the prayer. Uh, 8 p.m. sharp, inshallah, next week again. No, if you're late, if you if you wake up late, put the snooze on too too many times, <laughs> you get up late and it's gone beyond. That's it. You're fasting on an empty stomach. There's no such thing as okay, quickly just go have a. I want I want only take ten seconds. No, the food in the hand that's mentioned. If something is in in your hand and the van goes off, you can just finish that drink or whatever the cup is. But in the scenario that most people are gonna find themselves in. They've woke up and it's, it's just squeezed past. Alas, if it's squeezed past now, it's beyond the time Fajr has entered, you can't eat. You're going to fast on an empty stomach. But if you're there eating, the time comes in, you can finish that sip of water as it is. But is, it, is, is there like a limit to what, say you've got a full bowl of cereal in your hand? <laughs> no, absolutely, you're right. I mean, it's not, it's not like you can just carry on eating. At that time now, the time comes in, then it's a case of wrapping it up straight away. It's not a case of continuing now. That's, uh, you know, a person exaggerates in that way, you're putting your worship into, into a threat. You're putting your worship into danger. Of course, you know, the timings, uh, the timetables and the schedules are a guideline. But practically, you're not going to be able to see anything yourself or check anything yourself. So you're going to have to basically go off those timelines. You're going to have to go off those schedules. It's not like you can say, but I can check from my window and I can see and everything else. So you're going to have to go off those schedules. If you're beyond those schedules, then don't eat. Anything else? Well, the intention thing, the scholars, they say, if you put your alarm on, you go home after taraweeh, you put your alarm on for 2.45, 3 o'clock, whatever it is. But you just don't wake up. The fact that you put your alarm on is an indication of your intention to fast. Scholars say it's not a case of you having to stop and think to yourself, I'm going to fast tomorrow. Not necessarily. All of these acts, the fact that you put your alarm on, the fact that it's in your head, that you are intending to wake up the next day. Every day now, at Taraweeh, you go home, you know in your mind the schedule, you're going to wake up the next day, you're going to have suhoor, you're already planning what you're going to have, which cereal you're going to have. All of that is an intention to fast. So that is an intention. It's not like somebody can say, I didn't make an intention. But you'd already prepared the food. As some brothers tell us, the food was prepared in the microwave. You just have to press start in the morning. All of that is an indication that you've got an intention to fast. So that, that is the meaning of it. And some scholars have the opinion anyway, that one intention at the beginning of Ramadan actually covers the whole of Ramadan. On the first night of Ramadan, now it's in your intention. You're going to fast. The whole of Ramadan. Does anybody intend I'm only going to do the first day then? then From the first night of Ramadan, everybody in their head now knows we are fasting for a month. 
So some scholars say that is your intention for every day anyway. But many of them say it should be every night, that every night you have an intent. But the fact that you put your alarm on, you get your food ready, do all of those things, that is now your intent to fast the next day. You have that intention, you're preparing to fast. There's no intention on the tongue. There's no intention upon the tongue. It's not a case of having to say every night before you go to sleep, I intend to fast tomorrow. It's not a case of having to utter any words. No, he fasts and he learns how to pray and he learns those basics and uh, he begins. A person becomes Muslim, then straight away learn how to do the prayer, learn uh, the movements, the actions, the recitations from the beginning. You start learning from the very beginning. If he's become Muslim now, by the end of Ramadan, easily you should know all of the prayer. <coughs> all of it, learned and practiced and everything. So of course he must begin fasting and he must begin the prayer and everything learning from now, straight away. <coughs> 